Hello, everybody. Welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. And you can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with questions, comments, or even accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, and we hope that you do, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend or two and like and rate and review us and do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And we have some really cool episodes coming up. We sure do, especially today, because today we get to travel across the pond to welcome Claudia Joseph, who lives in London. Claudia Joseph was a pupil at the highly Collective Cheltenham Ladies College and trained as a fashion journalist at the London College of Fashion before becoming a news reporter. She has worked at Tatler, The Times, and The Mail on Sunday and regularly contributes to a number of national newspapers and magazines. Claudia's most recent book, Diana, A Life in Dresses, which is the most beautiful book, was published in October 2022. I am looking at right now on my desk. I love it. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous. And in this book, Claudia chronicles Princess Diana's style evolution from the days she shopped with her mother for her wedding trousseau at Harrods to her discovery of her wedding dress designers. Claudia looks at the designers who shaped Princess Diana's image and tracks down her most symbolic dresses to museums around the world. Wow. Well, before we bring Claudia on, I'm just completely fangirling her and so excited to talk to her. I was texting Stephanie last night for our listeners, um, just drooling over this gorgeous book, Diana, A Life in Dresses, from debutante to style icon. This is going on my cocktail table. Totally. My coffee conversation. Coffee Cocktail. Cocktail. Well, you know, I mean, (laughs) you forget some of these iconic dresses and some of them I didn't even know about. And I was like, oh my God. So I just feel like I want to dress up for her. I actually got out my wedding tiara. I might have to put it on later. I don't know that I can wear it like Diana does. Well, I mean, I have my princess Diana doll in her wedding dress right next to me because, you know, my my dad brought that back for me from a business trip a long time ago, of course. And um, it's it's the most exquisite doll you've oh my ever gosh, seen. The wedding dress. I mean, the that wedding, wedding dress, dress with the train, the veil, the whole thing. We're going to get into it. sleeves. When, when I was looking at the puffy sleeves last night, I mean, hello, puffy sleeves are back. They are. She knew what yeah. she was doing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or did she? I don't know. I, I don't know. And just, I, know. I mean, we're going to have a lot to talk about. I was also laughing when you talked about her trousseau because my mom actually took me shopping for a trousseau. Mine was probably a little bit different Same. than Diana's. Same. I'm like, yeah. mom, we're going shopping for a what? Right. Yeah. Mine was like yeah. a couple bathing suits at a Lily Pulitzer little dress, which I still wear. So, you know, it. we can all relate to Diana a little That's bit. That's exactly right. That's exactly um, right. Hi, Claudia, and welcome to Life's Accessories. Hello. Thank you for having me. We're delighted to have you. So <laughs> excited. And we want to know the burning question, what accessory or fashion item do you want to talk about with us today? Well, I think it has to be a a drawing that the fashion designer, Victor Edelstein, um, did for me when I was writing my new book. 
he um, is now actually a very successful artist. He's no longer a designer. He gave up before Diana died. Um, but I tracked him down when I was doing my book and asked him if he'd do an interview. And then I ended up going for lunch with him in the Cotswolds, um, meeting his lovely wife. And he said, would you like me to do some drawings for your book? And I was like, well, of course, I would love you to. Yeah. Um, so he did three drawings for my book of, of Diana's dresses. And, and then when I went to have lunch with him again and take him a copy of the book, he gave me a drawing, which was beautiful. So I've can just you, got to frame it now. Can you tell us about the drawing? It's the very famous dress that Diana wore to the White House to dress. Um, sorry. It's a very famous dress that Diana wore to the White House to dance with John Travolta. It's it's navy velvet off the shoulder. I think it's probably her most famous dress and one of the most beautiful dresses. He's he's a stunning designer. And um, yeah, it's very special to have a drawing done specially for me. It's amazing. I mean, who doesn't remember that dress, right? Oh, I told Stephanie. 1985, I I believe. 1985 and it's timeless. Um, it is. Can you tell our listeners for a little background? We both have a copy of your beautiful book, the name mm-hmm. of your book, um, and um, kind of the background in putting this book together, your latest book. Well, my latest book's called Diana, A Life in Dresses. Um, I did an article for You magazine on tracking down some of Diana's dresses to museums around the world. I was interested by the Christie's auction um, when they sold 79 of Diana's dresses shortly before she Mm. died as money for her charities and I sort of was intrigued to know where they were now and I did some research for a newspaper article and discovered that there are a lot of her gowns in a beautiful museum down in Santiago Mm. a fashion museum Um, And I spoke to the owner of the museum who said he was going to donate the gowns to Kensington Palace um, in his will. And I sort of start, I just became intrigued by where they all had, they've changed hands and um, and eventually tracked down about, I don't know, 80 of the dresses, different ones, but to museums around the world. And I thought it would be interesting to do an art catalogue of where you could actually go and see the the dresses for people who do either love Diana or love fashion. Um, So that's how it came about, really. And then I knew a publisher in, well, he's actually in Britain, but he's got an American PR. And I'd worked with them on a few other books as a journalist. So I said, would you like this book on Diana? And he said, yes. And that was it, really. So then I started doing it. And, And what I love about the book, I mean, I think it is beautifully designed obviously mm-hmm. to me but I love the fact that we've got pictures of the dresses as well as pictures of Diana wearing them yes so make it look a bit more well you can look at the clothes properly and what was your process Claudia with choosing which dresses would be included in the book it was really a question of which ones I found okay so, um so I it was a sort of double process I tracked I went through all the newspaper cuttings and tracked down all the dresses that who they'd been sold to I bought a copy of the Christie's catalogue for some mm-hmm. vast I can't remember how much it was <laughs> uh, and I had a list of 
what all the dresses sold for. And there was a woman called Maureen Rorek who'd bought a whole load of dresses and then gone bankrupt. Um, and various other people who'd bought them for charitable causes. And then they've several, they've changed hands. So I checked all those dresses out first. And then I spoke to all the museums and galleries um, and auction houses um, to see where they were now. So Kensington Palace obviously has, a, a, or historic royal palaces who own Kensington Palace have a, a lot of um, diners gowns. There were a lot that went to all sort that were on display that belonged to William and Harry. Mm -hmm. And then there's, uh, there's this museum in Chile, the Met in New York's got a couple, a college in Tokyo's got some. They're, they're fairly well spaced around the world. There's a museum in Ireland. Um, so it was, it was really a question of finding out. It was, it was, I didn't want to just do a book on Diana's dresses, my favorite dresses by Diana, because I thought that is too personal. Um, okay. But I, but I think knowing where they are in museums around the world at the back, you can sort of see, well, in the copy as well, but you can sort of see where they are. And, and if you want to pop into um, this museum in Santiago, for instance, um, I'm desperate Definitely. to go. Yes, maybe yeah. we should have a field trip, right? We should. <laughs> we'll meet um, you there. <laughs> I, I mean, I we're going to link in our show notes um, to your book and people can certainly go and buy your book because it's beautiful. And the pictures are beautiful. The pictures of Diana in the dresses, the sketches of the dresses. And also I loved learning about some of the stories behind the dresses. So yeah. today, obviously we're talking a little bit more about that iconic dress she wore to dance with John Travolta at the White House. And I so remember that. And here at our podcast, Life's Accessories, we talk a lot about stories that are told through fashion. And I'm just curious to get your opinion about what kind of story you thought Diana was trying to tell through this dress that she wore to the White House and also other dresses. Like, what do you, what do you think her process was um, in that, in those, in dressing well, herself? Well, I think in, in, in her initial, I mean, I think you saw Diana in various stages in, in dresses. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously when she married Charles, she was very young and yeah. it was very much a Sloan Ranger. And oh, um, she was like a child. Wore, yeah. And she wore very traditional uh, clothes. She set a lot of trends. Um, it was sort of the age of coming up to the new romantics and she was wearing a lot of frilly blouses and people were copying her a lot because um, they adored her and it, she was very 1980s as opposed to very stylish shall we say mm -hmm. um, and then I think she discovered um, what suited her but even in those days she was wearing flat shoes so she wasn't taller than Prince Charles or now the current king um, so I think it was only as when she start when she got divorced that I think she started making more of a statement with her clothes obviously the famous one is the revenge dress that she wore to the serpentine gallery yes um, mm -hmm. by Christina Stambolian um that was an incredibly beautiful dress um which she'd had in her wardrobe for a few years and Christina told me that she was wondering if she was ever going to wear it and then it was the night of, of Prince Charles's famous yes. interview with Jonathan Dimbleby and Valentino had linked the designer Valentino had leaked that she was going to wear one of his dresses, which put Diana's back up. So, oh, wow. Oh, interesting. 
she pulled the Christina Stambolian out of the, the wardrobe and decided that that was the dress to wear. Amazing um, they have that handy. Mm. <laughs> you always need a good revenge yeah, dress, right? Apparently. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think she knew she looked good and she became more confident. She didn't want to embarrass William and Harry by being overly sexy. Um, but I... I don't know. I think you can read a lot into clothes, but people just want to feel good ultimately on the night. And um, I think she knew the eyes of the world would be on her that night and certainly knocked her ex-husband off the front pages. Well, that's for sure. That's for sure. So of of all of her dresses, which which is your favorite? Is it is it the Travolta dress? Oh, um. I think I like the Jack Asaguri ones, the later ones. They're such beautiful classics. Yes. Yes. Oh, so sparkles. beautiful. Sparkles and glitter and um, all the rest of it. So I not the mini ones, but the long ones I thought mm-hmm. were very beautiful. Um, and she wore them towards the end of her life. So I think those would be my, my favourites. And actually, Jack came to my book launch, um, which is was really nice and he's a lovely man and we had a lovely well he, he he and his partner came and they kept saying we're going out for dinner we're going out for dinner and then they ended up staying till the end um so I'm yeah I'm looking to do something with him in the future maybe so, so that's cool. quite so neat. you mentioned um is sort of the beginning of Diana's style when she was such a young girl I mean she really was that she would be characterized more as having an 80s sense of style and um, we were just talking a little bit offline about her wedding dress and the puffy sleeves. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you know, what goes around comes around. I'm curious how you think Princess Diana's style lives on today and will continue to live on. Well, I think a lot of her casual wear has has very much come back to the fore, the big baggy sweatshirts, the jeans, the baseball caps, the slogans. I've I think those are the things that are less well remembered, but they've been translated more. Obviously, all her classic dresses are still, you know, wearable now. Um, I think the obviously the Emmanuels were very much of an era. Um, they were very synonymous with Diana, and it, you look back now, and it it looks quite dated but it's also very fairy tale and I think mm-hmm. she was a young girl marrying a, a prince and she just she did the whole dream of a teenage dream I suppose that um, maybe you grow out of when you get a bit older um, not it's it's interesting as well how fabrics have changed because if you look at the Emmanuel wedding gown it was it her train particularly was very very crumpled whereas yes. now we you know, but it was taffeta, it was silk taffeta, which right. in, I mean, I'm almost the same age as Diana. And in those days, everybody wore ball gowns like that, you know, for 18th birthday parties or yes. whatever. Whereas now we've got lycra, we've got fabric yeah. that, you know, silk, silk, satin, um, silk, yeah, silk satin, but, you know, 1930s stretchy, you you can... You know, you saw with Kate and, and Megan's wedding gowns, they were both much more sleek, but also, yes. they, you know, they have, yeah, lycra in them. Well, I remember just as a little girl, 
thinking about that wedding, which just is is indelible, right? And saying to my mom, when I get married, I'm going to have a dress just like Princess Diana. And what I meant by that was I wanted the train to still be at the back of the church, you know, while I was standing at the altar. And, um, you know, once I did get engaged and and start uh, looking at dresses, you know, I, I, had a longer train, but I definitely made sure to have that veil go past the 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 train, and um, that was my nod to Diana. Oh, much so much, nice. much shorter, but I mean that's that's the kind of impact that she she had at least on me. Definitely, you know? I mean yeah. we were Stephanie and I are of the same age. We're a few years younger than Diana, but you know, and we live in the U.S. So little girls in the U S got up very early that morning. I remember I did with my mom and watched it. And you talked about the taffeta. We kind of, in that day, we were wearing sort of these taffeta drop waisted dresses with the flounce. Cause we were, we were young yeah. girls. Yeah. Um, so that definitely was part of the style. And I totally agree with what you're saying. We all wanted to have that fairy tale and dress like Diana and just seeing your book makes me realize how beautiful she was, how young she was when she died. I mean, it's really, it it brings back a lot of memories for sure. When we, when we look at the next generation, we see, we see princess Kate, for example, and at times there are some um, dresses or outfits that she wears that sort of um, resemble in a way what princess Diana wore. Is that intentional? Or is it just a coincidence? I think there's, I mean, I I think that they both come from similar backgrounds and there's, it's the same job. So they need to dress a certain Mm -hmm. way um, in terms of um, looking appropriate for for the job. I I think that people tend to say, oh, Diana wore that. And it just Mm. happens to be something of the same color rather than something that's actually that similar. and I think if you look at their slightly vast wardrobes that you can sort of see that um, there is bound to be similarities. Saying that, I do think that there are instances where you can see the influence of Diana on, on Kate in the same way as maybe on other people. I, I think more in terms of the jewellery, um, mm. if she's wearing Diana's earrings or a brooch to recognize I think on significant events I think she would wear um maybe a brooch or a, a tiara or a necklace that belonged to Diana and obviously right. she's got Diana's engagement ring mm-hmm. um but in reality I think it's like anyone else who inherits something from their mother-in-law you sort of wear it as and when you like it um but then if it's an important occasion then you would you know, think, oh, my mum died or my mother-in-law died today. I might wear her bracelet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a mixture of the two. There are, there. I have done comparisons. I can't think immediately, but I have done comparisons of some of the outfits that have been very similar. And mm-hmm. you sort of look at them and you think, wow. It's so interesting how you bring that up because it really, I mean, they are the royal family, but but what Kate does and how you just explained it does make it relatable. I mean, Stephanie and I both lost our moms relatively young. So we talk a lot about, I will, I mean, I wear something of my mom's almost every day, 
But mm-hmm. when I go to an important family occasion, I'll say to myself, oh, I think mom should be here and I'll wear yes. something of hers. Yeah. So I think that's that's really interesting that you pointed that out. You did um, write a book on Kate, The Making of a Princess, which was published, I think, in 2011. So can yeah. you talk a little bit about um, your interest and knowledge of Kate and I guess how you think she's doing these days now that she's, I guess, I guess you could say one step closer to becoming the queen of England. Yeah. Well, she's, she's next in line or William. Yeah. Is next. Yes. I mean, I, that book was published actually before they got engaged um, mm-hmm. in 2009. Um, okay. I had done Kate's family tree for the mail on Sunday in the UK. And I just tracked down lots of people who had lots of photographs and lots of information. And I thought, you know, she's going to be a future member of the royal family. People are going to want to read about her. And um, so I decided to do her family history and track all four grandparents back to Victorian times, because, of course, when George is on the throne, those those ancestors will be his ancestors, the king, Hmm. um, the king's ancestors. And I thought that that you know, it makes it historical as opposed to just a celebrity book. Right. Um, and also she was 25 at the time and there was quite, there wasn't that much to write. And is it, I think your book was the first book about yeah. Kate. Isn't that right? Yes. Wow. It was. It, Amazing. It, well, it was before, as I say, it, it wasn't supposed to come out before they got engaged, but it did. But it did mean that when they got engaged, I suddenly got, well, my phone ran off the hook because everybody <laughs> you were the you, you were the expert you on knew it all exactly. So that was that was quite that's when I first started doing TV. I hadn't done anything really before that, and it was like, oh, okay. And my phone literally. I mean, I remember the day they got engaged so quickly, so clearly, because I was sitting in bed having watched the entire series of Upstairs Downstairs, which I don't know if you have in America, but it's a it was a British TV show, not dissimilar to Downton Abbey but that's what I was thinking of yeah yeah and um I'd been asked by the mail on Sunday I think there was a new version out and they wanted me to come I can't quite remember but I watched like the whole weekend I watched it and I was just lying in bed typing up a memo to the office and my features editor rang up and said don't panic but they've just got engaged and I was like (laughs) don't panic that's why my phone won't won't stop ringing and and literally the phone just was ringing with will you do this will you do that and I I think I was in the BBC radio studio in my gym kit at like in the afternoon and I got to bed about one in the morning and then I got up at five to be on all the breakfast shows and it was just like it was just a really strange change in my life I suppose um and then, um, but it, you know, I, I just thought that Kate, um, I like, well, I have mixed feelings about writing books because um, it's quite solitary, whereas I'm used to being a journalist where you're mm. dealing with a lot of people. And when you're writing a book, um, nobody tells you what to do at all. You have to just, you know, you just present it. It's your entire and that's quite strange. Um, but the my other books have sort of fallen into my lap and I wanted to do I've done I did um how to dress like a princess, which was quite fun because it was about Kate's fashion. And I 
sort of valued her entire jewelry collection. And um, then I did, you've got that one. The, this book too. Yes. Yes. Stephanie's yeah, holding up it. all the I books. Have, I have all the books. <laughs> We're putting them out on our coffee we tables. Are. They're good conversation they're pieces wonderful. and they're so beautiful. <laughs> William and Kate's Britain as well. I don't have that one. That's but about will, their I traveling over, throughout. Yeah. That was, the first one was how to dress like a princess. And right. that was not how to dress, the making of a princess. Yeah. Which um, was fair because it was the first book on Kate. It was fairly popular. And then um, HarperCollins um, published it in New York. And they said they'd been looking for a book on Kate for some time, but mm. none of them were very good until mine came along, which was quite flattering. That's and so then nice. I did. I, and then, sorry. No, no, we're saying that is quite flattering. That's, amazing. That's so nice to hear. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was. And then a friend of mine's a publisher and she had done a book on film sets, film locations. And she thought it would be fun to do William and Kate's Britain. And we did that. And then I did the fashion book on how to dress like a princess, um, which was because I used to be a fashion journalist, which was sort of me coming full circle, really. Yeah. Fashion. I was going to uh, say, so what what brought you from, you know, fashion journalist to migrating into royal family work? Well, actually, it didn't happen like that. I basically yeah. I, I did fashion journalism. Yeah. By, by the end of my course, I loved doing radio and TV and history of costume. But but I realized that I just writing about skirt lengths and sleeves and things didn't really <laughs> inspire me in some way so I went back to college and I did my new I did local news um I did my news indentures and then I worked for a local newspaper and worked my way up onto the nationals and okay. I really I think of myself as a news reporter really um mm. and then as I say I just started researching Kate's family tree and suddenly I end up writing a book about Kate um and that's sort of and then doing TV on Kate and then TV on the other royals and suddenly and so it's sort of snowballed, but it's all it all stemmed from, you know, whichever book I've written, most of them have stemmed from either an, a newspaper article that I've been writing that I think, oh, this could be a good book. Or alternatively, when I did How to Dress Like a Princess, I sort of thought, well, if I write it as seven newspaper features, then I can get publicity on it. So and the. And so, you know, some one person, I think I did an A to Z of Kate's fashion, which the mail on Sunday ran. And I did Kate's whatever million pound jewelry collection, which the mail, you know, and so I and then the mirror did Kate's beauty routine. And so it sort of ended up getting me quite a lot of publicity by doing it that way. And because I think it's it's. You know, it's a very crowded market, the royal Mm -hmm. royal books, really, and. I think you need a different slant to it. Otherwise, it's just, I don't know. I, I've, because I'm a news reporter, I always feel there has to be a new line to it or something different about it. Yes. To it work. Mm. So, um, but I'm glad you like um, the current one because, um, yeah, it was a labor of love, that one. Oh, we love it's it. It's very we special. It. And it we're all about, like we said, you know, talking about stories through fashion. This yes. book just came out this past fall and not to pressure you or anything, but I'm so interested in your <laughs> process and how you start with the news article. So do you have any ideas for what might be a next project, next book, next article, or? Um... Well, 
I'm sort of struggling at the moment. I'm having lunch with my publisher. I call him my publisher. I've only just had done one book with him, but we're having lunch in a couple of weeks because I'd quite like to do another one because they have the same work ethic. And it was, and they, I mean, I don't know how big ACC art books are, are over there, but they're in Harrods and Selfridges in in London. So my books are in Harrods and things, which is really nice. Yeah. And um but they do such beautiful books and they take time and they and you know it was very much a collaboration and I worked with the editor right at the end saying I don't like this picture or I think this color is wrong or I don't like this so um so I'm umming and ahhing because I think I think the queen consort is would be the obvious fashion book to do I don't think anyone's done it yet unless I'm right wrong mm. um, I don't think people have done many books on her at all but I think her fashion would be quite interesting but I'm I'm struggling to think of how to do it mm. interesting interesting and covering such a long span too well it isn't really because she's not been in the public eye the whole time so right. way, it's not um it's it's it needs some research but I'm sort of thinking of how I mean it you know really I think it was it was in 2002, maybe, when she was first in the public eye, when she went to um, the Ritz to her sister's um, birthday party, Annabelle's birthday party. And she was sort of out with Prince Charles for the first time and the cameras were all there. Funnily enough, I think yeah. Diana was out with Charles at the Ritz that first time when she wore that black bombshell dress that nearly fell off her. Um <laughs> <laughs> the difference in the styles yeah exactly yeah. yeah um so yes I think I think she'd be interesting because she's she's gone from someone who wore quite um classic um sort of um pencil skirts and, and jackets that didn't fit to someone who now looks very elegant in, in my opinion I think she dresses beautifully the queen um consort so I think that there's a market for her, but I'm I'm not sure how to do it and how many of her designers would actually talk to me, if any. So um interesting. But, well, I mean, look, I mean, my opinion is you clearly do your research, right? I mean, yes. that's the thing, is there's so much, you know, it's not just you're talking about a dress, you're talking about the substance behind it and the motivation yeah. and the store the stories behind. And so even just you know, going back to the Victor Edelstein dress I mean hearing that you know that dress was almost not worn right and Mm -hmm. um and and then it was because wasn't tell us the story behind it I think you're talking about the revenge dress at the moment was it was it that one or was it um I think I think the reality is that Diana would have had clothes in her wardrobe yeah she, she didn't wear I think you're the revenge dress was the one that I mean they're both, I mean, Victor said that he got a phone call in the middle of the night from Lee and Tally at Vogue. Yes. So tell me, why navy blue? Why why did Diana wear this tonight? And he was like, well, why not navy blue? <laughs> it was like, right. there wasn't any great plan as such. Um, she liked the dress and she took, but she probably took several dresses to America and decided on the yeah. spot what she felt like wearing. Um, and of course, no one knew she was going to be dancing with John Travolta. Right, right. Well, there was a dress I read about where 
it was the the measurements was it was it the victor edelstein dress where it was do i go buy these yes yes tell Um, us tell us about that so the first um the first dress that victor ever did for diana was um a maternity dress i think and um it was, and I think Anna Harvey probably from Vogue rang him up. I can't remember. And um, anyway, they gave him her measurements, and he thought, "Goodness, she can't quite be this big." <laughs> he thought, well, "What do I do? Do I, do I?" Because they, you know, they didn't trust him to measure himself at, at the beginning, and he was like, mm, "Okay." Anyway, so he made this dress, and of course, it was voluminous on her. Mm-hmm. And, and then he was like, oh, this is my big chance. And then she said, don't worry, we'll alter it after I've had the baby, and, mm. and, and which is what they did. And so after that, I think, um, yes, um, obviously he was allowed to measure her and get the correct measurements. Um, <laughs> but there were some, yeah, her designers, I mean, they were the, they were lovely to interview. I mean, I met Christina Stambolian, who was gorgeous, and Jacques, who's you know very professional Victor's lovely and just beautifully artistic but who else did I meet David Sassoon who um obviously has dressed nearly every member of the royal family over the years and he's um well he's just um an old pro I mean not young anymore he he's he's designed some fabulous dresses for her amazing Um, well going back to the Victor dress which was you know the the sketch of it is so amazing that he gave that to you i'm curious to know um where do you keep that in your house and do you look at it well i haven't the only well at the moment it's there on the kit because (laughs) right he gave it to me just before christmas so oh okay because my book came out in november so i had lunch with him remembrance i had lunch with him on just after remembrance sunday so end of november and um it's sitting here waiting for a frame and I haven't quite decided where to hang it because for my, I'll show you this, but for my last book launch, um, how to dress like a princess was in a, I mean, I have been very spoiled. It was in a gallery in Chelsea where Harry bought a picture for Megan um, by Van Donna. I don't know if you've heard of Van Donna, but Google Van Donna and Prince Harry. Modern. It's sort of like Van Donna and um, it's a bit like Banksy that sort of genre okay okay so I did this and um I had this sorry book launch and um the gallery owner commissioned two artists Escobar and Van Donna can you see so there's one the two by Van Donna um or one of Kate on a, a water bottle saying I am a princess (laughs) And so then yes, modern of, art. Yeah. Yeah. I should, I'll send you pictures of these. Yes, and, please. And yes. we'll post them. We'll post yeah. them. So that, oh, wow. And this is the Megan one. I mean, I wouldn't normally put pink up particularly, but um, it works. It does. Nice, well, nice pop that, of color, Claudia. I can that, be, I can be a princess of Megan. Yeah. Which is rather prophetic, I think. I and think so too. Very much so. And then I, think I, can I can be. I can be, I but I, we'll decide. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe and that's not. the Escobar. Can you see Kate? Yes. Yeah, Kate Arella. 
amazing. Very cool. Well, I think you definitely need to make room for the sketch of the John Travolta dress for sure. It's just, it's just where to put it color. Right. I don't want to frame it till I know where it's going because you know, you could put a gold frame on it or a blue frame. Right. Right. So tell us, do you think looking forward into the future, do you think there are any fashion trends that uh, the members of the Royal family will be setting? It's, it's very difficult because you know, if you talk to someone at Vogue, you wouldn't, they wouldn't sort of see the royals as setting trends because they're a bit more yeah. conventional. Yes. So, I don't, so I don't think, I mean, Diana set trends because she was young and she was experimental and it was very much the era of, you know, you saw her wear a choker as a headband. I mean, we all wore mm-hmm. under that. So I had a gold headband. Yeah, we have, an, we have an episode specifically on headbands, by the way. <laughs> so I think, I mean, Kate hates um, her headband hats that she, or headpieces that she wears. Yes. Uh, probably she'd probably set a trend for those, for weddings and things like that. But I don't think she's, um, I think she sort of nods to trends. Um, but, mm. you know, she's in her, you know, she's 40 now, so she's not young. I mean, not, but well, not, as, not as young as Diana was. So right. that's right. Um, she's older yeah. than Diana. I mean, she's outlived Diana. That's exactly. incredible to think about, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. I hadn't thought of that either. No, no. Seriously, that's wow. That's pretty unbelievable. Yeah, Diana was, was Diana 35? 37, she, I think. She's 30, 37. 37. Yeah. Just so young. Oh. How old is Harry now? Uh, Harry was, mm. he was born in what, 1984, 40. was it? Yeah. So he's, get, he's getting close to 40. Yeah. So he's, he's 38 now. 38. Yeah. So both, both of the so sons have outlived her. Yeah. So, but I wonder if that's, um, I'm just wondering what age, when his birthday was, September. So he's 38 in September. So, wow left the royal family hmm. I don't think anyone's noted this before but if you think when was it January 2020 or I mean he was it's it must be quite meaningful for them to surpass their yeah. mother's age yes I'm yeah. sure and yeah. I wonder if that's part of what's going on here that. When you were saying January, were you talking about when they when they stepped down, January 2020? Is that what you're saying? January 2020. Yeah, it was right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. yeah and January 2020, well, he would have been coming up. To, he was about 35 then, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but but inching inching closer to that age, right? So, yeah, you wonder you wonder if if sort of deep down that that was kind of part of it. Well, I think it might have been. I mean, I think that. I mean, when I, you both said you lost your mum's young. How young were you when you lost your mum's? I was 29 when my mum died. She was in her 50s, so youngish. Yeah, I mean, my mom, my mom only, but she passed away just um, two and a half years ago. So she was, she was older, but she was not yeah, even so- close to ready. You know, I mean, she, she um, was, was shocked by a, a cancer diagnosis that came mm-hmm. out of nowhere and was generally healthy. So 
you know, to, to answer, yeah. I think what your question is, I I'm turning yeah. 49 this year and my mom was 51 when she first got sick. So believe me, that's in the back of my mind. Yeah. And I do remember too, for my, for my mother, what my, my grandmother passed away when she was 70, I believe she was 70 or 71. And I remember when my mom hit that age thinking, how does that feel mom? You know, and, and it is remarkable. It is. It's a very, you I think, think about it. You too. Um, yeah. Because you, I mean, not that my, I mean, my grandmother was 99 when she died and my mum was 81. So I've got mm. to wait. Mm. You have good genes. Well, maybe, um, <laughs> but yes, it's, it's, I do think that it is a thing when you're grieving, yeah. I think that when you pass the age that the person died, I think that's quite um, yeah. tough. And yeah. um, so I think that might be another thing in Harry's, um, well, the back of his mind, maybe. Right. That's right, probably right. made him. Who knows? But um, I don't think we'll ever know. I don't think. Well, yeah, <laughs> that well, remains to be seen. He'll tell us. He'll tell us. Don't you worry. Oh yes, <laughs> right. We watch Netflix. We know. Yeah. Are you going to buy spare Harry's book? Oh, Harry's book. Um, I don't know. I haven't thought about it that much. Full disclosure. Yeah, I pre-ordered it. Oh, wait! Breaking news! Wait! Breaking wait. news! And then I watched the Netflix documentary and then I canceled my pre-order. <gasps> I said, I've heard enough. I've heard enough. We talked about this offline a bit. I just, you're, you're <laughs> catching me coming off a couple heard of days after binging the Netflix documentary, um, Harry and Megan, or as she calls him H. So H has. we'll leave it at that, I guess. So Claudia, will you read it? Um, I think I'll probably just read the newspaper extracts. That's what I'm <laughs> I mean, there'll be a lot of them, and I think that will be all I need to know, really. Yeah, that's sort of how I'm feeling. That all right, I've spent enough time on this. That's that's my point of canceling yeah. it. That's enough. That's enough. That's yeah. enough. No disrespect to H, but that's enough no. for me, right? Listen, <laughs> we wish everybody all the best, right? That's right. Yes. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Claudia. We could talk to you forever. And this has been My pleasure. fascinating. Like I said, we will certainly link to all of your books so that our listeners can check them out. I think and you your will. website and yes. your website. And yes. it was just such a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you we so, so appreciate much. It. it was my pleasure. Thank you. Well, we can't wait to follow you and see what happens next. And, and, and uh, we wish you all the best and, and thank you again. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me.